Welcome to the OA Light of Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Deanna. Deanna, compulsive overeater, food addict. 100-pounder, uh, black belt binger, ah, raving lunatic, recovering perfectionist, uh, fill-in-the-blank, XYZ, um, struggle with a lot of other things, too, went to a, a workshop for another program this afternoon, because uh, I'm in, like, one-and-a-half programs, I'm, like, 18th step in it, um, and I was just feeling like a mess in that workshop today, just a total, total mess. It's, uh, it's the numbers program, the money program, and I'm, like, sitting there with all my, like, you know, money junk laid out. And I just felt so um, discouraged knowing that I was speaking at this meeting tonight and just feeling like kind of a train wreck of a human being. And uh, then my, my higher power, who has a wonderful sense of humor, said, well, at least you went from broken to just broke. Like, that's an upgrade. Um <laughs> I'm going to pass around some pictures of my journey. So I have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth tonight. I'm hoping that higher power will just uh, speak through me. I'm super nervous today. I don't get nervous. Uh, I love public speaking. I just love it. So I know the nervousness is just all ego, all ego, um, because that's how my disease works. It's all about me, you know, all about me. And you know, I walked in and I didn't see some people that I normally see at this meeting. So my ego's like, oh, that person must have found out that she's sharing tonight. So, oh, we'll just skip it because it's just Deanna. We all know her. We heard her. Uh, I'll stay home and catch up on Downton Abbey. Um, <laughs> um, so, but that's that's my ego. I don't know what people's plans are. But, again, it comes down to it's all about me, 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 me. Um, so, yeah, so higher power just, you know, speak through me. So I guess I'll just say what it was like what happened and what it's like now. So what it was like is that I was overweight from a very, 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 very young age. I started sneaking food probably around the age of like four-ish. I remember sneaking like maraschino cherries out of the kitchen when my parents weren't looking and just this history of, of sneaking food. I started gaining weight really young. By the time I was nine years old, I was in Weight Watchers. And uh, I was the youngest one by far in there. I was about 135-ish pounds at nine years old, um, you know, the weight of a grown woman. And, um, yeah, the speaker, the leader would ask me, you know, if I wanted to share. And I just said, I like candy. I mean, I, I couldn't go deep with it. I just really couldn't go. I had no idea. People are talking about the baby weight, and, you know, there's, like, men. They're like, I cut back from 10 beers to four, and I lost 40 pounds this week. You know, I don't know that that place is a place for a child. So I did that. <laughs> I did every diet you could imagine starting from a young age, and they all worked, yet they didn't fix my brain. And they stopped working the second I stopped doing them. Um, I mean, like, one of my favorites was doing, like, a low-carb thing, and I lost, like, 40 pounds in six weeks. And then all it took was one trip to uh, a buffet and having a few too many muffins, probably, I say a few, it was like a dozen-ish. Um, <laughs> and I blew back up, like, Willy, like uh, what's her name, Violet Beauregard and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Like, I instantly blew back up. Um, it was very scary. 
Um, and I had an opportunity, speaking of Willy Wonka lately, to go and share my story um, at a studio uh, that is doing a show. And one of the characters has our disease. And they wanted a, a real-life person to kind of um, ask some questions to and, and make sure that what they were writing was accurate. So I was able to go and, uh, and share with them, you know, a little of my journey. And, um, you know, I, I struggle so much with this being a spiritual program. I struggle so, so much. I grew up in, um, in a Christian home, in a faith-based home, and um, I was very involved in church uh, through me, my youth to young adulthood. I taught Sunday school, and I sang on the worship team, and just put on this good front, but I, I started doubting from a young age. I started uh, doubting not only God, but, you know, the religion that I grew up in, and I never told anyone. I was terrified, and they say in these rooms that you're as sick as your secrets. That was hands down my biggest secret. Um, so I struggle. I still struggle with um, God, and I still struggle with finding my spiritual path. Um, but I went to the studio to share my story for the show for these writers, and I thought, like, what if God is like Willy Wonka, and he just gives out all these golden tickets, and everybody gets one, but they're just so happy to have the chocolate that a lot of the tickets just fall on the ground, and those of us that are in the rooms, we're the ones that saw the golden ticket, and we pick it up, and we come into these rooms. And I went to, uh, to speak at the studio, and the parking pass that they gave me was a golden ticket. So I have these, like, wild God shots. Another one I got is when I moved into a new apartment, I really wanted to have an office and a bar, um, and uh, I wanted a cool bar sign from a bar and a nice desk for my office, and I was just kind of looking for, like, the right things. I came home one day, and sitting on my porch was a beautiful white desk and a sign sitting on top of it that said, a man walks into a bar. They just landed there. And it turns out they belonged to uh, my neighbors, and they were going to sell them, and the neighbor said, they're yours. Like, they you know, they must be for you. So, uh, yeah, God shot, right? Uh, and yet I still struggle. So I have all this evidence of a higher power in my life. So it must be emotional. There's something in me that, for whatever reason, does not trust. And growing up a heavy kid, I just did not have a lot of friends. I went through the usual teasing and hazing and bullying, and I just pretty much never cried about it. I think I cried about it twice in my entire childhood, you know. Um, I just developed this really strong, funny, bold personality to deflect all this, you know, horror that was happening to me, which is nothing, unfortunately, compared to what kids today go through in terms of bullying. And I remember one of the times I, I, uh, I actually did cry was these two boys were harassing me at recess. And I started swinging my backpack around, and that shows Nina Warrior Princess was very popular at the time. So I started swinging the backpack around and saying, Aye! just like intimidation factor. Um, and my backpack broke, and the straps fell to the ground, and the boys picked up the straps and started whipping me like an animal. And, uh, and that broke me. Like, I went behind a bungalow. Oh, no, this is a no-crying chair. Um, I went behind a bungalow, and I started crying. You know, it just, it just hit that deep. So I just struggled with weight my whole life, never feeling like I fit in, carrying this huge secret about faith, and I just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And somewhere around the age of 20, I topped out around 300 pounds, and um, by the grace of God in this program, I'm down 160 pounds. Um, yeah. 
a little over 150 pounds, you know, spends with my dinner salty was a knot. Mm. Um, but yeah, which is outstanding. And that is the thing that I'm most grateful for when I wake up in the morning for my body and my bed. Like, I have the most comfortable bed in the world. And I am not married, so that fact is uncontested. Like, nobody can argue with me on this uh, comfortable bed. So I wake up every morning, and my, my prayer is, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this warm and comfortable bed. And uh, and then I look at my long, sexy legs, and it's just like I just can't not be happy. And uh, and I go through a lot of stress and strife, but even in my anger and my discouragement, the gratitude still pokes through. I'll be journaling about how I'm how upset I am. I'm like, work was terrible. I'm gonna get fired. I wanted to curse out my boss. Ooh, wait, this pen writes really smooth. Oh, like things were a nightmare. Ooh, I like the sticker, and I got this journal for three ninety nine. Wow, how did that happen? Like I keep getting deflected by gratitude. You know, as I'm trying to be in my anger, um, it just is like, ah, who am I? Um, so that was my upbringing, just growing up, getting bigger and bigger and heavier and heavier and heavier. Didn't have a lot of friends in high school, didn't date, uh, didn't do a whole lot of anything but be the loud, weird person. I'm the second of four kids. I have a beautiful older sister and a beautiful younger sister. And I was like the Shrek between them, this really tall, really heavy person that did not fit in. Um, and, you know, my disease manifests primarily in binging as far as the, uh, the eating goes. My disease itself shows up in multiple ways. Um, but the, the food part was the binging. It started off with overeating and sneaking food and eating a lot of food, and they say this is a progressive disease, and certainly it progressed far into the binging. I mean, the, the nightmare moments that I've had, I remember going to the dollar store once, and they had these fiber bars that were like six for a dollar, so Deanna bought 18 of them because this is a deal, and they're high fiber. This is a healthy snack. Well, not when you eat all 18 of them in a sitting. And my stomach expanded so quickly that I was just rolling around on the couch, just dying in pain and, like, praying to God, please help me poop, get this out of my body, please, you know. Uh, and I was living with my older sister at the time, and I thought, should I call 911? What is she going to say? 911, what's your emergency? My sister ate 18 fiber bars, and her colon might be about to explode. Like, I did not want to go down like that, so I just suffered. I just suffered all night. Um, my sister and I eventually split households. She got married. I did not. And um, and then my binging career just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, I went away to college in New York City, and things got really good for a time. I was living in my creativity. I was living in my art. My dream was to be an actress, so I went to New York to get a theater degree, and I was really healthy for a while. Uh, it's very easy not to focus on the food when you're filling your God-shaped hole with many other things that bring you joy. So I was able to drop some weight and eat healthy, and then 9-11 happened. That was the second day of my senior year, and it was on a Tuesday, and I had classes on Monday and Wednesday. So had it been a day before or after, I would have been walking, you know, just seeing this happen as opposed to it waking me up that morning, um, you know, two blocks. I lived two blocks from there. Um, so the city was devastated. The economy was devastated. And I just couldn't find a job. So I came back home to L.A. where I grew up, and I moved back in with my parents. 
and my cycle was to wake up and binge, and my binges were like an entire box of cereal, half gallon of ice cream, you know, eight or nine granola bars, those stupid hundred calorie packs of like cookies and crackers. I just call them thousand calorie packs. Like, you're just going to slow me down a little. I'll finish the job. You know, it's just more tearing. Like, that's all that is. Oh, it's portion control. What? Um... So that did not work out so well, and it just got it just got horrible. Um, eventually, I got into a bunch of jobs that I just hated, and my spirit just continued to sink, and I continued to die. And being that overweight was like being buried under a pile of rubble. I was just so lost down under there. I was so lost down under there. And I went to therapy, and uh, gosh, God bless this Eskimo at my job. There is a woman at my job, and my heart breaks every time I see her. And honestly, it's like half ego and judgment and half compassion. Um, but she had lap band surgery. She's very overweight. She had lap band, and she was raving about it at the time because she'd lost a lot of weight. And she said, well, if you get the surgery, they're going to make you go to a psych consult first. Go to my therapist. You know, she's great. So I went to her therapist, and the therapist just did not resonate with me, um, but it did get me to start talking. It did get me to start talking. And I found a therapist that did resonate with me, and I picked her because she specialized in eating disorders and addiction, and she wanted to put me on antidepressants because I sat on her couch for six months, and all I could say was, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat. And eventually one day I was able to mutter the words, I feel black, I feel black. And she said, well, you are black. <laughs> I'm brown, for those that are listening to the podcast. I am a woman of color. Um, and I'm like, no, Deanna, you're black inside. Deanna hurt. Um, Tarzan, you know, be bad. Um, and she said, well, we can put you on antidepressants, or you can pick up your exercise routine again. Because I was good about exercising when I wasn't binging. I could not exercise and binge in the same day. It was an either-or situation. Either I would exercise and I'd feel really healthy, um, or I would be binging and I would be so sick that I could not exercise. So she said, we'll put you on antidepressants, or you can check out this thing called OA and pick up your exercise. And I Googled antidepressants, and the first side effect that came up was weight gain. And I was like, hell no, where are these beatings? Um, so I came to one of those beatings, and the first one was just so depressing. I looked on the website. I saw people holding hands, and I'm like, ew. Um, and the first one was really depressing. It was a bunch of old ladies. No offense, old ladies. Um, and I couldn't tell if one of them was like, this is going to be like the most y'all going to have to edit the crap out of this podcast. Just warning you. It's like copyright infringement, profanity. Um, racism. Um, got it all. Um, yeah, it was all these old ladies. Couldn't tell if they were like sleeping or dead. One was knitting. I'm like, what's that about? Is this Knitters Anonymous? I'm so confused. Um, but there was one young woman there, and she said, come to my meeting on Monday. There's more people there that maybe you could relate to. And I went to that second meeting. That was My first meeting was December 30th, 2011, and um, I did not have an abstinent New Year's Eve. I think I, like, partied out on some egg rolls, I think, in my living room with, like, two friends. And uh, so two days later, January 2nd, I went to that uh, next meeting, and that's where I found my sponsor. 
total God shot there. She's not in program anymore. It worked really well for her. She's found tools that support her, and she's able to maintain her recovery, but she's not necessarily active in the rooms anymore. And it's like God just delivered her there just for that season, that window of time that she was actively in this fellowship for me. And she didn't look like me. She wasn't a 100-pounder. I just thought, you sound smart, like you have your stuff together, and you are funny. I picked you. It is done. And I just did everything that she said. She told me to go to three meetings a week. She told me to buy the AA 12 and 12 and the OA 12 and 12 and the workbook and the big book and the book and a book and a book and a book and a book. And I just did what she said. And I got about seven and a half months of absence out of the gate from binging. And then I relapsed and uh, went in and out of relapse for a few months. And gosh, I wish this fellow was here in this room right now, but an angel who's a good friend of mine in program now and outside of program just really pulled me out of relapse because I called her and uh, and I had been binging and I went to New York for this wedding and I just ate everything but the bride and groom and <laughs> I had some spanks on and when I took the spanks off at the end of the night it was like clowns getting out of a clown car it was like boom 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 calamari you know orders, whatever. And and I and I was like, okay, once this wedding is over, I'm getting clean again. I'm getting asked in it. And and I didn't. I kept eating. And then I got on the plane. And I'm like, okay, as soon as this plane lands, I'm going to get asked in it. Uh, stewardess, a few more peanuts, please. And then the wheels hit the ground, and I couldn't stop. And I was like, oh, no, I really am powerless. And I called this, this fellow slash friend slash angel, and I said, I don't know what to do. I can't get abstinent. And she said, you're abstinent right now. And I was like, what? You are Yoda. This is so deep. She was right. I did not have food in my mouth while I was talking to her. You know, I did not have food in my mouth while I was talking to her. And she said, do you think you could just not binge for the next hour? And I said, yeah, I could probably do that. So I did. And I got to the hour after that, and I asked myself the same question. Can you do that for the next hour? And I've done that for the last three plus years. I have three and a quarter years of abstinence, which is outstanding because I was one of those people that, like said, I was like a kept binging. I'm like, I'm not, I'll never get abstinent. I saw friends come into these rooms and they were getting candles and, and collecting like more chips than a Pringles can. And I was just like, all right, here's me. I don't know what's going on. And, and she helped me with that. And I hear in these rooms, don't leave before the miracle. Um, and I say just don't leave, period, after you get the miracle. Because you're going to miss out on being a part of somebody else's miracle. You never know what somebody is going to need to hear that may come through you. And moreover, when you're having a tough day, you may need that miracle back. You may need those people that call you, that look up to you, that help you. One of them came with me tonight, and I adore this woman that's sitting here in the front row because she said I give her hope, and she gives me hope because she is fighting so hard for her recovery. She inspires me. And I struggle so hard with the higher power stuff. And when I first came into these rooms, I kind of used the group. I used my sponsor. I used keeping busy in the step work. And then it graduated to higher power. HP for me is the letters in the word hope that come between the O and the E, the overeating. So whatever that is, the H and the P and the word hope that come between the O and the E, good enough. Whether that's using one of the tools. Um, I have a trampoline that I jump on. I did that today. I call it the joy jump. I get on my trampoline and I just jump up and down in my pajamas because I live alone. Um, and I have a song for that every time I want to do something stupid. I'm like, because I live alone. I can't 
jump on the trampoline in my PJs. Cause I live alone. I can love the kitchen for naked. Um, and living alone is like a miracle of program. Um, I'm 36 and I just started not having roommates about three years ago. I was not able to sustain myself and be independent. I moved in and out with my parents like numerous times. Um, and uh, let's see. Yeah, I want to make sure I talk about um, the God stuff. So the spiritual struggle is ongoing for me, and I have to remind myself that I have no reason not to be abstinence because all of you are a power greater than myself. So even if I struggle with the divine sense of a higher power on any given day, there's no reason to throw away my abstinence. Um, I think most of the time I do believe in God, and it's just this back and forth. I have plenty of evidence for God, and it's just a struggle. For some reason, I have a hard time trusting, so I, I have a hard time letting go. But um, I pray every morning, every morning. Um, I say the scripted prayers. I pray for people that I know. I do a lot of writing. I write like Shakespeare, man. Um, if I don't do that, I'm in trouble. Writing for me is like taking out the trash. You may be able to get away for, with it for like a day, um, maybe two, but after that it's going to stink. And then you get roaches, and then you get rats. Um, but evidence that, that God must be real for me is that I'm living in a parallel universe. Um, growing up being heavy and friendless and in fear, that, that fear of that biggest secret being exposed that I struggle with faith and just feeling like less than nothing because of my weight, um, a lot of that has been lifted, and in this parallel universe called Overeaters Anonymous, I'm not like heavy and friendless and depressed. I am skinny and popular and happy, you know? Um, and I'm a mess on the inside. Like, I, I always overplay the physical recovery because it means so freaking much to me. It means so much to me. And when that starts to unravel, everything else does. But the tricky part is, if my spiritual stuff starts to unravel, then my emotional starts to unravel. And if my emotional starts to unravel, it's going to hit the physical. So it's this weird sort of conundrum. And I, uh, you know, as far as what I do for my program, oh my gosh, my current sponsor is, wow, a powerhouse. I had a couple of really gentle sponsors. My current sponsor is so tough. I met her at Light a Candle. She spoke. She was just this cheerful, lovely, perky woman, and she said she was available to sponsor. And I took down her number, which ironically I already had in my phone like twice before, so I must have heard her before. And uh, she said, okay, call me the next day. So I called her the next day, and it was like Liam Neeson and Taken answered. She's like, do you have a pen? Write down these three questions. And I was like, whoa, whoa. I thought I was willing to go to any lengths, and I, like, at the time I came to her, I was, like, two years absent, maintaining, you know, weight loss or whatever, getting to three meetings a week, serving on the OA board, doing all this stuff, and, you know, she asked me to get to five meetings a week, pre-commit my food, um, just a lot of stuff that was, like, very jarring, but the pictures that I'm passing around, I don't want to go back to those pictures, I don't want to go back, because if I start to get obsessed with self and how heavy I am and da 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 and I, and I do try to live within nutritional boundaries, uh, but for me, I know I'm in my disease when there's a difference between having, being mindful of my calories and having a mind full of calories that's just tick, 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 tick. 
So I do what she says because I don't want to revert. I don't want to go back to a life where I'm sad and alone, you know. I don't want to go back to being sad and alone. That's what life looked like before this program. In program, I'm, I have some visions coming my way. Um, I'm trying to pursue my acting again. I do stand-up comedy. Um, I date on and off as time permits. Um, you know, I always joke that, like, the only thing I've learned from dating so far is how to hold a fart for two hours. Um, I'm a lot girlier than I used to be. I went to the salon, and I'm like, ooh, maybe I should start getting my legs waxed. And then I saw that they charge by the leg. And I'm like, who's coming in here, pirates? It's like, all right, do you want me to get me leg waxed? So, but... My higher power is there through all of it. My higher power speaks to me through music all the time. Song lyrics, movie quotes, superheroes, fairy tales. That's got to be God. You know, and God, it's, God's existence is not dependent on how much I mess up in a day or whether or not I believe in a day or how tired I am or whatever. So I'm just kind of trying to keep acting as if, and hopefully I'll have a faith like those that I hear in the rooms of people that have very strong spiritual recovery. And I'll, I'll end it there if people have questions. Thanks for letting me share. <laughs> Any questions? Well, my old sponsor had me send in gratitude with my food. I used to email her my. Oh, I'm sorry. The question was, um, how do I uh, stay in gratitude? Correct. Um, yeah, my old sponsor, I would send in a few gratitudes with my food every night. And gratitude is about looking what, looking at what you do have rather than what you don't have. And with the physical recovery especially, when you get the number one thing that you've wanted your entire life, like I have no reason to wake up and start complaining. Like if I still have that thing that meant the most to me that means I could feel free in the world, you know, like I can't not be grateful. And then it just like flows from there. You know, if I'm feeling really down, I'll open up my phone and I'll look at pictures of my niece and nephew. I love them. And nobody else, you know, outside of my family has them as their niece and nephew. These are my my niece and my nephew, and they're special, amazing people. And they bring me such joy, you know. So, um, so I hope that helps. There's just too much to be grateful for to not be happy. I have so much more bad than good. And I, and I wonder, like, why I struggle so much with God. I've had a really good life. Like, my parents are still married. I don't come from, like, a, a home with, like, a lot of abuse or addiction or any of that. Nothing. Like, no natural disasters. I'm my own natural disaster. Like, God's been really good to me. The only thing wrong with Deanna's life is Deanna, like, point blank. So that's how I say in gratitude. What's your abstinence and food plan? Ah, great question. Uh, what is my abstinence and food plan? My abstinence is no binging. That's my bottom line. Um, I only have one food on my red light list, and it's very complicated, so I'm going to spell it, and you can write it down. That one food is F-O-O-D. <laughs> because food is my drug, and certainly there are a lot of foods that I don't eat often, because one, they don't support my physical recovery, and two, I used to binge on them, so I just kind of like leave them to their own business. 
Um, but left to my own devices, I can binge on a cupcake or a carrot. It doesn't matter. Food is my alcohol. You know, the, the fatty, high-caloric stuff will get me that high faster, but, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, I had binges where I was, like, shoveling oats in my mouth. My food plan is three meals and up to two snacks, and I do weigh and measure my food. Like, I hear a lot of people say, you know, my body is God's business, and I believe that, but I also believe that he's left me a store manager, and I'm not going to run his business into the ground. So, <laughs> if I'm not willing to, like, if I'm buying too much inventory, meaning... I'm not willing to slap a chicken breast on a food scale to make sure it's not more than a couple of, you know, a few ounces. Like, that's on me. God wasn't like, oh, Deanna, I just dropped this whole chicken from the sky because my body's your business. I will protect you while you eat. Like, I don't, mm, that's just personal. Again, this is my opinion, not OA as a whole. Um, anybody else? Uh, oh, that's a great question. She said, how do I keep searching for God? Um, I try to look. I, I try to look in the ways that seem. I start with the obvious first. Like, God talks to me in music all the time. I've had the privilege of helping out with uh, writing the shows for the OA musicals the last couple of years, writing musical parodies. And these parodies come to me in my life all day long. Like, God will make fun of me and say, you're so vain. I bet you know this song is about you. I mean, I just all day long, all day long, I just hear songs in my head with augmented, personalized Deanna lyrics, and then I'll get, like, the movie quotes coming in. Um, oh, I, I was thinking about how it was a train wreck today, just train wrecking it all over the place, being late to things, being a mess, whatever. And the other day I was thinking that my life is like that movie Groundhog's Day, because I just keep messing up, and God's, like, letting me live another day to, like, do better. Not get it right, because we don't ever get it right, but do better. And I went to this other workshop today, and I was asking this woman about her iPhone because I need a new one. And she, she's like, oh, yeah, and it takes great pictures. And the picture she showed me was a groundhog that she was in. So, like, I'm just like, okay, just try to look for God. Just just do your best. Just do your best. And sometimes it will be something you could twist that's more coincidence, but I'll go, I'll take it. You know, just say, I'll take it. You know, whatever. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, what are noticeable differences for you of your interpersonal relationships pre-program and um, now in-program? Ah, what, what's the difference in my interpersonal relationships pre-program and now? Well, I don't hold grudges. I'm very, very forgiving with everyone but myself. Um, I'm quick to make amends. Um, I'm more honest with people. I'm brutally, brutally, brutally honest with more people and the biggest thing is my heart like the last picture in the ones that I sent around is me with my niece and nephew and again like my heart has grown I have space for people I have compassion I'm learning to use my voice especially around my parents which is very very difficult because I kind of revert to nine-year-old me around them which is pretty scary but just in the fact that I'm able to maintain friendships and making lasting connections is getting better. I still am scared. It's like I love being the center of attention, but I'm like, don't, look, but don't touch. Like I put myself behind a glass wall, like, look, look, look at me, look at me, look at me, put me in front of the mic, but don't look inside. And now that there's, there are people that get inside the glass case, you know, it's a small handful, and that's getting wider. So I hope that answers your question. Um, uh, well, I've always journaled, but the most powerful thing for me has been God letters. And especially with the struggle of faith that I have, I just write God letters every morning. And the most dangerous one I write is, Dear God, help me be of maximum service. I'm like, oh, no, let it rip. Because, you know, every, every Joe Schmo and Mo, I will get these calls, these texts. And I'm like, oh, no, I did not want to be doing that today. And God will be like, well, you said you want to be a maximum service. Oh. 
And this is where it's helpful because I write out all these questions. I'll wrap it up. I just write out the questions that I have. Are you real? Are you there? What are you? Who are you? And I feel better. And that helps me. Thank you for letting me share.